came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. No, no, no. That was not a thing. Here we go. Live. Well, what was that? Hey guys, it's the podcast from outer space. It's your boy Rob Scott. We got Adam Narlock in the house. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Speaking of that, I'm about to pour myself a nice glass of Pamp Coffee. So if you guys want to head over to etsy.com slash shop slash Pamp Coffee, check them out. Best coffee I've ever had. Best coffee you'll probably ever have. So check them out, guys. Pamp Coffee. Furthermore, episode 53, it's the Green Children of Woolpit. What's the year? Six, 16 <laughs> something? 12th Sixth century. century Europe. 6th century? 12th century. What was the year, though? I don't know how time works. That's like 11-something, right? <laughs> yeah, 11-something. Okay. Now, to, this is today's episode. So, the Green Children of Woolpit. Um, we'll admit, this kind of a, I thought this was interesting. I said, hey, hell, maybe we can put a whole episode together on this. So, maybe it turns out, maybe it doesn't. We'll see. But <laughs> That's the, a great way to start. The Children of Woolpit... There's an ancient account from 12th century Europe, uh, which um, was recorded from two different viewpoints by two fellows, both regarded as reliable sources. I'm sitting here with two fellows I would not regard as reliable sources. Now, why would you say that? <laughs> this is a legitimate news source. <laughs> the case involves two children. In 12th century Europe, we all would have been considered reliable. <laughs> The case involves two children that appeared in the village of Woolpit, England. Uh, they wore clothing of a color and material never seen before, spoke an unrecognizable language, had green skin, and they claimed to come from a place with an atmosphere of permanent twilight where people lived underground. Uh, some view the story as folk legend um, or a somewhat altered account of actual historical events while others take it as a real life encounter with inhabitants of another world universe or even extraterrestrials now either way this is a case that has endured for over eight centuries since it was first recorded um, and no doubt merits further investigation in today's episode now you're a reliable source what do you think that sounds like to you what does it sound like yeah it sounds like some aliens. Okay. Now, here we go. You guys had never heard of this case before this? Not before you brought it to my attention, no. I just saw that weird Instagram post about it now, about have a week you, before that you did the outline. Or what about like similar cases? Uh, I don't know about similar cases, but when I was reading through like different articles and stuff, different websites, it made me think a lot of the Legend of Zelda game Twilight Princess. Okay. So video games always. Always. What else do I know? Video games, exactly. skateboarding. Yep. I mean, did you, video- guys, did you guys know that Zelda's actually a girl? <laughs> it's like uh, video games, uh, like Triple X said. It's the only education we got. <laughs> <laughs> and that's coming from a reliable source. Okay. Yeah. Triple X, dude. One of the most reliable spies of all times. So he would beat James Bond's ass. You think so? All right. Now... I will admit, so I start doing the research for this one, and I'm putting together this episode. Now, this one, just like many of our other like supernatural, unexplained cases we discuss, it's either like you can look at it as an over-exaggeration, uh, complete bullshit, or like, hey, this is to, this has been logically explained, like this, this, and this, you know? We can take the Rob Stone approach. Yeah, or it's like there's no in-between. It's either that or... Or it's just how deep does the rabbit hole go? Because, I mean, I start doing my research on Wikipedia, as everybody does. <laughs> you know, that's the jumping off point. And then by the 10th tab, I'm fucking 200 pages deep in a Jock Filet book, and I'm looking up cases involving fairies and, and fairy food. Fairy food? Yeah, fairy food. Now, what did you find out about that? Now, we'll get to it a little later. That's that's probably the last theory we've got in here. But, I mean, do we want to get into the case? I want somebody to do the Tommy Boy quote. Now, have we covered any, like, medieval stuff before? Medieval cases? UFO cases? I mean, maybe Egypt? I mean, that's not medieval, but that's <laughs> maybe the oldest thing we've covered, right? Mm, yeah. Egypt? Okay. Dragons. So, <laughs> so, uh, Loch Ness Monster? That's pretty old. Yeah, okay, that's pretty okay. old. Okay. So, I mean, let's just set the fucking... 
setting. Set the setting. Let's set the. <laughs> let's get the place and time in everybody's heads. So you know, close your eyes. It's the Middle Ages. Political and religious strife grip Europe as the Crusades are well underway. And this particular account is set in the village of Woolpit, located in Suffolk, east of England. Or I guess East England. Uh, now, this account happens during the reign of either King Stephen... Not which, to be confused with Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. King Stephen, uh, who reigned from around 1135 to 1154, or King Henry II, who reigned from around 1155 to 1189. Now... Accounts do vary, like the two accounts, as we'll get into. Um, but the town or village of Woolpit at the time had belonged to the rich and powerful Abbey of Bury St. Edmunds. Is that how you say that? I don't know. But that's a mouthful. Okay. Well, I guess... Um, a lot of things in England are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, didn't you live in England, Adam? You should know how this shit works. I did not live there. I visited. Oh. Just like you assholes. All right. Well, th- let's get into the tale. So, Big D is the one that lived over there. Just keep in mind, you know, this is the the setting is the fucking Middle Ages, which this is what I'm saying where I don't understand time. Like when you guys view like 12th century, Middle Ages, like, okay, do you ever like subscribe to that idea of like the phantom time theory where there's just this giant gap of like missing time in history? Because what do you learn? What do you teach in history, Adam? That's called the dark ages, buddy. What's that? That's a history of time where people weren't writing things down. Okay. So, so we don't have any recollection or information about it, really. Okay. Now, what was the time period of that? Uh, that I don't know off the top of my head. Exactly. We don't know time. <laughs> uh, <you> just, <laughs> <laughs> or is that we just don't know history? I mean, just, maybe we're just not keeping up with this. I mean, what do you guys think of when you hear, you know, Middle Ages, 1150s? I don't even think that's the right classification. Is it not? I don't think so. The Crusades. It has to do with the different time periods, though. But isn't Middle Ages? That's around this time, right? The Crusades? I guess. And according to your sources. All right. Well, maybe we're fucking wrong. Maybe it's not the Middle Ages, but uh, Crusade. (laughs) Look it up. (laughs) That's why I'm. You're you're right. It is. It is considered Middle Ages. So you're throwing fucking wrenches in my research, dude. Dude. You didn't even know that it was, <laughs> it was right. I disclaimed I don't understand time. I mean, B.C., A.D., I don't get it. The Middle Ages is until the fall of Constantinople, which is in the the four, early 1400s. So okay. this is this, this, is, this is in the Smack midst dag. of the Middle Ages. Okay, so there we go. Smack I was right all the middle along. of the Middle Ages. All right. So let's get into the tale. Now, according to original accounts of the Green Children... A boy and his sister, depending on the account, Mm -hmm. were found by reapers working their fields at harvest time near or in some ditches that had been excavated to trap wolves. Now, these were known as wolf pits, and some say that this is how the town itself got its name. Wolf pit, wool pit. Makes sense, wool pit. Wool pit, yeah. Wool pit. And it's like, you know, wool pit or wolf pit, what do they mix up um, L and F? So it was just like wolf pit. Ah, we'll call it wool pit. <laughs> you took a coffee break here. Now, so they, they find these it's kids. It's the accent. It's the accent. They, they weren't saying wolf. It sounded like wool. Okay. So That's the kids, uh, they, they find these kids in the wolf pit. Their skin was green in color. Their clothes were made from unfamiliar materials. And they spoke in a language that not one of the Reapers was familiar with. And I'm just spitballing here. What if we just start a metal band called Wolf Pit? Trademark. (laughs) Copyright. Yeah, there you go. Dibs. Bad joke. Now, one of the first-hand accounts is quoted as saying, There emerged two children, a male and a female, green of the entire body and dressed in clothing of extraordinary color and unknown material. Anywho, the Reapers bring the children uh, into the village, where they were eventually taken to the home of a local landowner. This guy was either a lord or a knight, as accounts do vary. Sir Richard 
Decane at Wilkes. Sir Richard Decane. I would just say Sir Richard. Okay. Sir Dick. Sir, <laughs> Sir Richard. Yeah, Sir Richard. Now, apparently this guy was a big deal. According to both accounts, um, you know, so these kids, they're not just winding up in some peasant shanty town. This guy was a lord or knight, so he had a, a, a big place and... Yeah, I mean, his hut was a little bit bigger than some others. Yes. I mean, not a hut. This guy probably lived in some stone mansion. Wasn't covered in shit. Yeah. Um, so it's 1100s, dude. So <laughs> everyone's house is shitty. I think. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, that'll play into like some of the theories later, but essentially they take him to this guy's house. The kids wouldn't eat any food offered to them until one day the villagers bought, uh, brought recently harvested beans. Uh, now these were long beans, which the children devoured after somebody showed them how to open them and get the beans out of the stock. Um, they survived on only these beans for many months until they acquired a taste for bread and other food at the time. Now, what what even was other food <laughs> yeah. at the time? I feel like people were only eating bread and like slop. Yeah, like roadkill. Bread is an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, I guess at the time. Chopping up some hogs. Now, see, I wonder how this got me thinking, like Jack and the Beanstalk. When did that come out? Is Are beans just like the thing to go to to make up a story? I mean, uh, maybe Brian's that's the bean expert. So ask him. Maybe that's all they knew how to grow. Just beans, because the Native Americans taught them how to harvest corn. They didn't even know, right? That's because corn's not native to England, buddy. Exactly. Mm. So they were growing beans and bread and that's potatoes, it. probably. No, that's Ireland, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sore subject. Okay, so. Maybe some slop, maybe something else. These kids just ate beans Bud until Light. beans and wieners until they uh, developed a taste for the bread at the time. Now, uh, the kid, the boy, the young boy, he became sick and soon he died of his illness. The girl, she remained in good health, eventually lost her green skin. And the, the most common claim is that this was due to diet, but nobody really knows why she lost the color in her skin. He died from too many beans. Maybe. Now, the girl eventually learned how to speak English and was later married to a man at King's Lynn uh, in the neighboring county of Norfolk. Norfolk. And according to one account, apparently this girl was... Revolution and wanting in a conduct. Nice. So, I mean, you know, that means she was... DTF out pounding around, yeah, <laughs> uh, pounding around. <laughs> now, now her so pounding off. So she grew up, married into this fucking guy's family, and and her side of the story, like she learns how to speak English. Um, she was able to tell the story of their origins. Uh, now the girl, she says she and her brother came from the quote unquote land of Saint Martin. I don't know if this is a real thing, but I did see it on the Magic School Bus and on Scrubs where like if you eat like there's like episodes where people are eating like carrots and they turn orange, you know? Oh, I so don't maybe this boy is like all they eat are these green beans. Yeah, that's green. You that's know? like some of the theories now. Oh, OK, my fault. No, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but anyway, so the girl, um, she's she learns how to speak English. She's able to tell their origin story, if you will. Um, she reported that her and her brother came from the quote-unquote land of St. Martin, where there was no sun, just perpetual twilight, and all the inhabitants were green. Uh, she described another luminous land that could be seen across a great river in their homeland. Now, according to one account, she is quoted as saying, We only remember this. That on a certain day, when we were feeding our father's flocks in the fields, we heard a great sound, such as we are now accustomed to hear at St. Edmund's, when the bells are chiming. And whilst listening to the sound in admiration, we became on a sudden, as it were, entranced, and found ourselves among you in the fields where you were reaping. Now, other accounts have her claiming that she and her brother came upon a cave, and they enter the cave, wander through the cave for a long time until they come out on the other side. Um, they entered into the bright sunlight, which was like a shock to them. Um, and, you know, this is where they were found by the Reapers. 
Uh, but basically, I guess the takeaway from her version of the story is that um, she said they came from a land where there's no sun. Would you say that they came from a land down under? Well, see, they're saying no sun, but it's it's just like basically evening, like you know, right before the sun sets. Yeah, Twilight. This, I'm saying we basically need to that get, all the time. We need to get Twilight Princess up in here, and you guys could see the connection. While we're on the subject of Twilight, you guys hear Rob Pattinson's the new Batman. Mm. Now, is that confirmed? Confirmed. Oh, uh, really? I yeah. heard it was only speculation. They're doing a uh, DC's doing a younger version and did you hear story type thing did you hear possibly confirmed charlie hunnam mcu wolverine i heard danny devito wolverine <laughs> enough right? i the swear joke. that's real i saw the it. joke was funny the first time <laughs> when did i tell that joke <laughs> i <laughs> really saw an article on that all right now let's get From back penguin to wolverine <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the corroboration of the story so main takeaway they come from this fucking dark place right allegedly okay so you might be asking like hey what are these reliable sources um how was this stuff recorded when was it written down three guys were sitting around one night in 11th century england 12th century, 12th century excuse you recording themselves okay so you know the two original sources are both from the 12th century one was by William of Newburgh, uh, who lived from 1136 to 1198. He was an English historian, a monk from Yorkshire, and his main work was Historia Rerum Anglicarum, uh, which is a history of English affairs. Uh, this is basically a history of England from 1066 to 1198, in which he includes the story of the Green Children. The other source is Ralph of Coggeshall. Um, he died in 1228. He was sixth abbot of Coggeshall Abbey in Essex from 1207 to 1218. Now, his account of the Green Children is included in the Chronicon Anglicanum. 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 Chronicon. Uh, which is English Chronicle. It's basically like the medieval comic con. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he contributed to this between 1187 and 1224. Now Ralph lived um, in a nearby county and had repeatedly heard the story from Richard DeKine himself, Sir Richard, we talked about earlier, um, the guy, the gentleman who took the kids in. And although there still aren't a lot of details. Uh, those that he gives um, mostly confirm or add to William of Newbury's version, Newburgh's version, William of Newburgh's version. So essentially like the two differences, William puts the time frame of the tale within the reign of King Stephen from 1136 to 1154. Uh, Ralph implies that it happened under Henry II, 1155 to 1189. Now, if I had to guess... I would say maybe it's somewhere in that middle ground, like in the 1150s, like right when these guys were switching hands, you know, mm. the crown, the fucking Game of Thrones shit. <laughs> but the important thing here is what can be seen from both dates. Both authors record the incident uh, many years after it was supposedly taken place. Um, and normally, if somebody tells a story in a medieval chronicle, like if it's a straight up made up story, Others will just copy it word for word. But these two guys, like what was so crazy about this story or why it stands out is like these two guys are telling it from different viewpoints in different words with like little details differing, but but there's also ones that complement the other story. Mm. So it's like something like if it was straight up fiction that they wrote, well, they probably wouldn't have put it in these history chronicles, right? It's like... Hey, can I copy your homework? Yeah. Sure, but make sure it's not exactly <laughs> Oh, so you're saying this guy just basically copied what he had? Okay, interesting theory. So, I mean, right up, right up front, before reading it into any of this, like, what are you guys thinking about this story? Bullshit, fairy tale? I think it's either aliens that they didn't know how to describe or that's just total bullshit. I got to think long and hard about this one. Okay. As, you know, 
going back to the silly dragons reference, it's like nowadays if you said someone, oh yeah, dragons are real, people would be like, oh, you're an idiot. But like what would have inspired people in the Middle Ages or earlier after? They had to have seen something that made mm-hmm. them think like there's something, maybe not yeah. a dragon that, that we envision it, but there was some kind of giant thing. I don't know, man. Okay. So unless these people are really good storytellers, yeah, I got to believe that some maybe you know maybe they were just really dirty kids that needed to be cleaned up but there were some green children okay right, so now i'm buying in okay so you're saying these these abbots these guys <clears throat> that recorded the tales these guys are not uh william shakespeare these aren't built this isn't bill shakespeare so no, they are not bill shakespeare <laughs> so all right so now some of the most popular theories one this is probably the most common in regards to the green skin because obviously that's the weirdest thing right are we thinking that's the weirdest thing or do you guys think there's other shit that's stranger than the green skin i think that's a good starting point okay so the unidentifiable language thing mm. all right so okay so one proposal in regards to the green skin is that the children were suffering from hypochromic anemia suffering from hypochromic anemia originally known as chlorosis this comes from the Greek word chloris, meaning greenish yellow. Uh, the condition is caused by poor diet, which in turn affects the color of red blood cells and results in a noticeably green shade of skin. Mm. Now, the fact that the girl is described as returning to normal color after adopting a normal diet lends some credence to this theory, right? Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Chlorophyll man over here. <laughs> However... In most cases of chlorosis, the green coloration is restricted to certain parts of the body, such as around the eyes, on the neck. And in most cases, there is no discoloration. Now, I looked up pictures of this because I said, okay, let me see like what this looks like. Uh, and in the few that I find, it's definitely more of like a yellowish shade than green. And I doubt that it would even merit... Um, like they specifically write that their skin was green. Mm. So if this, if it was chlorosis, which is, you know, they're saying it's usually just around the eyes or the neck. Like why would they say their whole bodies were green? Maybe they're colorblind. You can't see green if you're colorblind. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, uh, furthermore, if the, if the explanation was that simple, poor diet, why did they not eat the food that was offered after the arrival at uh, Sir Richard's house. I mean, they're starving kids. Why wouldn't they have eaten the food? They w- they only ate these green beans. Hey, kids are pretty picky. Some kids are pretty picky eaters. And they don't like beans, right? No, I thought they liked the beans. But oh, most, saying kids, most today, kids like, don't like, like green beans. But I mean, this is Middle it's a Earth. different ball game in <laughs> 1100. <laughs> yeah. You got three choices. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Why would Whatever's it? in this pot you're eating. <laughs> so you're saying if it was the starving kids, they were picky even though they were starving? Hey. Maybe they're they're from a different world. They've never seen this shit. They don't know what it is. Exactly. Mm. That's That's kind of saying hey it does that theory of just they had a poor diet and they were these peasant feral kids that doesn't answer that question any whom aligning with this theory if we go off of this theory of poor diet is why they had the green skin in the book 14 studies 4 from 1998 uh, paul harris poses the theory which only works if the date uh, for the incident is moved forward to 1173 into the reign of king henry ii Now, this guy in the book, he says that there had been continued immigration of Flemish weavers and merchants into England from the 11th century on. After Henry II became king, these immigrants were persecuted, Mm. culminating in a battle at Fordham in Suffolk in 1173, where thousands were slaughtered. Um, His theory basically suggests that the children had lived in or near this village of Fordham St. Martin hence the St. Martin's Land references. And this village is separated from Woolpit by the River Lark. Mm. Could possibly be the great river that um, was mentioned by the girl. And after their parents had been killed in the conflict, they basically escape into the dense woods of Thetford Forest 
And if the children remained there in hiding for some time without enough food, they could have developed chlorosis due to malnutrition, hence the greenish skin. He believes they later followed the sound of church bells uh, at Bury St. Edmunds, wandered into one of the many underground mine passages dating back over 4,000 years to the Neolithic period, followed the passageways, and eventually emerged at Woolpit. So pretty sound theory, right? That makes sense. But this does not explain the language. Surely a landowner of the status of Sir Richard or somebody in his household would have been educated enough to recognize that the language the children spoke was Flemish. If they were from Flanders. Yeah, if people, I mean, they were migrating there since the 11th century. So it's fairly widespread in Eastern England at the time. So it's not like they would have said strange language. This also doesn't explain the strange clothes worn by the kids. Mm. If these were just feral peasant kids living in the woods, what would be so strange about their clothes that it became a specific point in the story? I mean, what is it just that they weren't wearing a burlap sack with a belt? (laughs) (laughs) what, What did people, like poor people, wear back then? Well, let me just pose this theory. Okay. This guy... Doesn't actually have holes in his theory. Maybe this guy that wrote the story just didn't want to write a boring ass story. Oh, I found some fucking peasant kids in the woods that were malnutrition, took them in. So it's ex- not a good story. So you're saying this monk is just exaggerating a story. Yeah. But why would he, if it's just a shitty story, why would he even bother putting it in the history, the annals of history? Because it makes something more exciting. You think, wouldn't you rather read a book about. I found these two green kids wearing strange clothes, talking a strange language that I didn't understand. They said they came from this faraway land. Then oh, I found these two Flemish kids that we just fucking killed their parents, found them in the woods, turned green because they weren't eating right. See, I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, yeah, we got Bill Shakespeare, but I don't feel like English people are really focused on yeah. like entertaining the rest of the world. I think, the, I mean, think about it. These guys were monks. They're not just, it's not one or the other. I have to put this story in or I have to spice it up. Like, I think this monk guy actually heard some version of this story and had to put it into the history books because it was that captivating. Yeah, but I'm saying the guy who initially wrote down the story was not a monk, was he? Yes, he was. One of them. Okay. The first guy to write it down was a monk. Okay. I mean, these, like, think about it, dude. So maybe the second guy. Well, also, he was a fucking abbot. Six Abbott or something mm-hmm. like that. Jim S- some or other. Now these, I mean, these are important guys. You know, they're trusted with writing the history down. Like these aren't just guys that are going to be like, well, let me throw this in there. Green skin. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they were though. Maybe they're sitting around like they're drinking a lot of wine while they're writing. <laughs> okay. Maybe they're huge pranksters and they're like, oh, we can slip this one in. Yeah. You ever read the Bible? You think everything no. in that's true? <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to this guy's theory. So Written by monks. Let me poke some more Am holes. I wrong let me in that? let me poke some more holes in this theory. As long okay. as that's all we're poking holes in, buddy. So, doesn't explain the language. Doesn't explain the strange clothes. Also, Barry St. Edmunds is twenty-four miles from Thetford Forest, so the children would not have been able to hear the church bells over that distance. Hmm. And the flint mines are also confined to a certain area of the forest. There's no underground passages leading to Woolpit. And if there were, it's more than 30 miles from the forest to Woolpit, way too far for two starving kids to walk. And even if the green children originated from Fordham, St. Martin, it's still about a 10-mile walk to Woolpit. And as, uh, as to this whole great river, um, the River Lark is not that big. In fact, it's pretty narrow. I looked up pictures of it. Uh, so this would this really qualify as a great river? I mean, maybe to a kid, right? I was just going to say, maybe if you're a little kid. But still. And and I was thinking this, these pits. So in some stories, they're found in the pits, right? Like they wander through the cave and wind up in the pits. Now, these pits I looked up, these were designed to lure and entrap uh, wolves, which were dangerous at the time. You know, that's why they got little red riding hoods, stay out of the woods, you get eaten <laughs> by a wolf. Um, this was a serious problem. Those kids were not reading that book. Now, maybe they were on the way to grandma's house. So these pits were le- likely twice as tall as the kids and a couple hundred square feet. Um, so 
Like if they were found in the pits, how the hell did they even get it get in there? Okay. They fell in. This is where I'm seeing like some Saturday morning Ben and Jerry cartoon where like they're running along in the woods and someone put like leaves over the hole <laughs> and they just fall in. <laughs> it's like fucking uh jackass. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that's just a couple holes. Now couple holes so this guy's theory isn't straight you know it's not simply explained away now some of the most extreme theories include that the children originated from a hidden world inside the earth um Mm. that they somehow stepped through a door or a tear in a parallel dimension or universe or that they were in fact aliens who mistakenly wound up on earth the first guy to kind of come forward with one of these theories was this guy, a gentleman named Robert Burton. Um, he theorizes in his book from 1621, The Anatomy of Melancholy. And it's just a one-liner in this book that the green children fell from heaven. I mean, think about it. This is the 1600s. Um, now, this the, is the 1100s. Yeah. No, oh, this guy wrote, the, wrote book. the book in the 1600s. Okay, 1621. Um, the guy Sixth wrote... century Europe. So this is in the 1600s. Um, he theorized in just a one-liner in this book that the green children fell from heaven. And the reason he put this in his astronomy section was that when asked about their origins, they described um, upbringing in a land of permanent twilight separated from a country of permanent sunlight by a very broad river. Now, to him, it sounded like a planet with a tra- uh, trapped rotation keeping the same face Mm -hmm. always towards its sun. So just like, you know, the moon does towards the earth, it's always the same face towards us. Wow. That's why they got the dark side of the moon. Nice. Perhaps this land was sort of like a Goldilocks zone. Like imagine if earth had the same face always towards the sun and, and humans had to live on this weird strip of like always twilight, you know? Kind of cool. Yeah. So maybe that's where these kids came from. Possibly this was the first theory to to pose that maybe they were extraterrestrials. Now, taking it a step further, in September of 1996, in an issue of Analog Science Fiction and Fact, this guy kind of built off of Burton's theory, this guy Duncan Lunin, um, he suggested that the Knights Templar, of which he says that Sir Richard was a Knights Templar, Um, They were in contact with an alien civilization who were abducting humans to populate a colony off-world, and the children were accidentally returned due to a malfunction in a matter transmitter from the colony world, uh, and they were on this Earth-like planet trapped in synchronous orbit around its sun, presenting the conditions for life only in a narrow twilight zone between a fiercely hot surface and a frozen dark side. And their society lives off genetically modified vegetation, which allegedly explained the unusual color of their skin. Seems legit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he goes, he went on to write a book, Children from the Sky, and he goes into a ton of detail and to numerous like missing persons cases, like in middle, middle age Europe. And he interprets this as, as all alien abductions. Could be. Oh, just a whole Knights Templar scheming up with aliens? That'd be sick, dude. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that would be a great movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, And, I mean, this guy, like, check out Children from the Sky if you you ever get the chance. Um, Because he does, he puts so much detail into, like, this missing case happened here. and, And he has, like, Temple Solomon, like, these Knights Templar were in contact. Like, Ark of the Covenant, that's their, like, um... What do they say in Indiana Jones? It's like a walkie-talkie to God. So this is like they were actually talking to aliens. It could be. So possible theory there, and I I can't poke any holes in it. <laughs> can, can you? I mean, you ever seen a matter transmitter? Well, I've never been off-world. I've never been a Knight Templar. Now, let's get to kind of the final theory. Remember we were talking about fairy food? I do. So, fairies. Fairies? I mean, what do you guys know about fairies? <laughs> what? What do we know about fairies? Yeah, fairies are a legitimate cryptid. 
Oh, I know nothing. All I know about fairies is what I've learned from video games. Okay, and what is that? When you die, if you have one in a bottle, it'll bring you back to life. Okay. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Now, fairies. <laughs> I think we discussed this a little bit on our, like, I think it was our sexual Ooh, alien yeah. encounters episode. That sounds about right. Remember all the fairies carried the lady off? And it was like they were doing experiments on her? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. um, so check that episode out. No holes but, in that theory either. No, and to check this out. Basically, there's a ton of similarities between different folk legends and myths and UFO sightings of modern times. Um, this is where I started doing this fairy research. So according to numerous legends, fairies live deep underground in darkened hollows in mounds that open up into vast cavernous regions and in magical domains where basically aging doesn't exist, disease is unknown, and life just seems to go on forever. Fairy land, nice. right? Mm-hmm. Fairy land, fairy tale, like, you know, nice. fairy tale wedding, that type, that type of shit. <laughs> now, in addition to that, fairies in several different cultures have had an obsession with human reproduction. Now, who does that sound like? You're unbelievable. Tinkerbell? <laughs> no, the aliens, dude. Oh. They would basically steal... Um, these are the fairies, not the aliens. The fairies would steal newborn babies from their cradles, replace them with one of their own. This was known as a changeling. Have you guys heard of this before? Mm-hmm. And there is numerous tales in Celtic lore. Celtic. Boston what? Yeah, yeah but that's different. Yeah, it's He's different, buddy. Boston Celtics, dude. Celtic lore. okay so we're basing on the nba team now there's numerous tales in celtic lore of men becoming dazzled and entranced by fairies i just asked blue jean peter pan over there (laughs) no no hear me out hear me out here bring it back down very often this happens late at night on lonely roads or in the depths of the woods i bet it does They are taken to the fairy kingdom where they would engage in sex with female fairies and usually fairy queens. Aren't fairies tiny? Rob, please. Learn about it, buddy. (laughs) Now, one thing, this is is basically more than any other, this confirms you've had an encounter with fairies, is when the victim, I guess we'll call him the victim, had encountered these magical beings returns to the human world, they found that days, weeks, or even years had gone by despite being certain in their own minds that the passage of time was no more than a few hours. This is known as lost time. Now, what does all of this stuff sound like? Phantom time theory. No, dude. These all draw parallels to the UFO and modern abduction cases. Am I wrong? Similar. Am I wrong? You're not. (laughs) Think about it, dude. They become in like in a trance. That's just like when you get abducted. They're doing fucking sexual experiments. Remember the aliens pulling people's dicks off like a plug? Then giving them a tour of the ship. (laughs) Yeah. Giving them a tour. And then they're having lost time. This is exactly like fairy shit, dude. The old redhead alien banging the guy. All of this, uh, or a lot of this stuff, is written down in uh, Jacques Vallée's book. He has a few theories in his book, uh, Passport to Magonia, in which he writes at length about folk tales and their connections to the UFO phenomenon. Um, now, he has kind of two theories of the, of the whole like UFO alien encounter phenomenon. Um, he says, basically... One theory could be that it's it's a natural phenomenon whose uh, manifestations border on physical and mental. It's a medium in which human dreams can be implemented, and this is a mechanism by which UFO events are generated. Um, it's like something that our own minds are, like the collective unconscious, you know about this? I'm familiar. It's like some shit like that. Let's pretend we're not. And he's saying, <laughs> it's like... Um, Basically, it, like, remember we talked about the guy, John C. Lilly, who tried to develop float tanks? Mm-hmm. Like, he developed them to try to talk to dolphins on, like, a because he thinks that, like, all living things are connected by this unconscious, the collective unconscious. So, essentially, what Jacques Vallée's theory is that, like, 
these UFOs are kind of like made out of that. And the, the fact is that the objects appear to keep pace with human technology proves this. Like in the Middle Ages, it was fairies. Um, and then, you know, it was like back in the 1800s. Remember, they saw like big cigar. They called them airships. And it like keeps progressing as human technology progresses and its symbols get updated the aliens technology also updates. So that's his whole theory is that it's like maybe something from our own minds. Oh, like how we're at Tic Tacs now? Tic Tac. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly like the Tom DeLonge Tic Tac UFO. Now, we could also imagine, he says, that for centuries, some superior intelligence has been projecting into our environment. Mm. Um, various artificial objects whose creation is a pure form of art. So he's basically saying like these intelligent beings are just sending these projections into our reality and who knows why it could be f- because they like t- seeing us puzzled. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're trying to teach us some kind of new concept. Uh, maybe they're just doing it for the hell of it. They're just fucking with us. And he's, he says like, if it is an intelligence um, that's doing this, its creations are impossible for us as impossible for us to understand as is the Picasso sculpture in Chicago to the birds that perch on it. So think about that. That's like, you know, does an anthill, it's like that Neil deGrasse Tyson thing. Do ants, like say say there's an anthill by a highway that's being built. Do they even have a concept of what the hell is going on? That's like us with the UFOs. We're like, what the fuck is this? Mm. And we're trying to make sense of it in our feeble little minds but really, it's some crazy, super intelligent thing that's maybe just a fucking game show to them. This whole book is basically like the, as we were just saying, the parallels between like the fairy myths of Celtic countries and scholars of past. I mean, just like this whole encounter we talked about, the green children, like there's similarities between possible alien intelligences and these tales that people just mark off as fantasy, you know? Like mermaids. Yes. Very similar to mermaids, honestly. Mermaids, fairies, these women, quote unquote, tales. Women with wings, women with tails. Mm. So, I mean. Gathering that we like women to be fantasized about. Basically, where I'm going with this thing, you know, I, I brought the Jacques Vallée stuff in because this falls into the interdimensional hypothesis, um, which is basically there's two schools of thought in like UFO, alien um, lore, which is like it's either interdimensional or it's like real life alien beings coming through through into our galaxy from another planet. Like they travel in a spaceship just like fucking uh, Buzz Aldrin. But, it, you know, it could be something like interdimensional, like maybe these kids um, in this green children tale, like wandered in from another dimension, another parallel reality um, that coexists separately alongside our own. Like maybe in these kids reality, Earth really is trapped in with one face facing the sun and that's where they came from. And they're describing this whole other thing. Like, is that a possible theory? It is a theory. You never know, man. You never know until you know, you know? Exactly. And we'll probably never know. Now, they're going off of like, you know how you were saying this is probably all bullshit. The monk was just trying to spice it up. Not in those words, but yes. (laughs) So there was a supposed second sighting of the green children in a place called Banjos in Spain in August of 1887. Banjos? Yeah, Banjos. Banjos? Banjos. Uh, the detail of this event is almost exactly the same as the Woolpit case. And essentially it's like this guy was copying the case, trying to do a reboot almost, mm. you know, old Walt Disney, right? There. <laughs> yeah. Trying to reboot the case. Uh, but you know, there's nowhere called banjos in Spain and the account is merely a retelling of the 12th century English story. So, well, now how come you're not standing behind this guy's story? Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's an exact copy. Remember how we talked about Copying these two the homework, dude? Yeah, remember how we talked about these two originals? Each of them like kind of complements the other one. Two originals? I think there's an original and then a guy that read the original and wrote it down. 
but why would his have other details that the first one didn't that makes... John, yeah. He just wanted to add a little to the story. Okay, so that mm. brings me to our conclusion. So you think the monks are just bullshit. They're just making it up. I don't think it's... Com- by monks. I don't think it's complete bullshit. I just think they're just... Couple drunk guys exaggerating a little bit. Okay, so we've all ex- been there. Now, where now? So, what's your theory? They they were just Flemish peasant kids, and they just exaggerated that they had green skin, spoke another language, and had strange clothes. I mean, that's not a lie. They did speak a strange language. It wasn't English, and they probably were wearing some weird shit. Came like from a what? different country. I wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking there's for no, your theory. There's no picture. There's no hard evidence. So okay. I can't really tell you. All right. Now that's what I. That's why I thought this case was pretty interesting. You know, there's a. No, I think it's interesting. I and I would like to think that maybe it's actually just some aliens that they found and like misunderstood. But but your gut's telling you just drunk monks <laughs> writing down bullshit. Well, just the way that they're supposed story goes that the kid one kid died the other girl just magically turns normal and starts turning into a whore basically (laughs) (laughs) doesn't really go with the storyline that that was an alien all right uh so there's rob's consensus just uh some that monk showed up to work drunk that day (laughs) and that chapter of history is forever exaggerated (laughs) by this drunk monk. Now, Teabag, what are you saying here? Given all the facts, lay the stories out, what's your gut telling you? I'll just give you the TLDL right now. Okay, here we go. The idiot report. (laughs) (laughs) TLDL. Two children found in Woolpit, England, supposedly green skin. The little boy dies. Their brother and sister, the little boy dies. They don't eat anything but beans. And a sister grows up to be Jessica from Sex in the City. The end. I think that. I mean, I like that one that you were trying to poke holes in earlier, where they're like the kids Flemish. Oh, so you think that theory does hold up? I think so. Okay. Now, what? What? How? So the language stuff in the clothes. You just writing that off as these guys. This night was an idiot. I don't want to say an idiot, but (laughs) (laughs) all right, we'll see. All right. I I didn't know more. Like how old were these kids? Did you find anything about that in your research? How old the kids were? Uh, yeah. Like there's, I mean, they had to be young enough to like, I'm thinking they were between like seven and like 12, maybe like they had to be pretty young. Maybe right, even right, right. younger than that. Well, that's what I'm saying. And like some kids just, you know, the language, maybe they just couldn't speak, right? Yeah, they were just speaking gibberish maybe. Right, right. And then see, but now see that I'm sitting here thinking that it's like, all right, let's say they did do some interdimensional traveling or some fairies or whatever and there's that whole lost time thing. Uh-huh. Oh, man, I don't know. Because like, all right, let's say they were secluded. They're, they're away from civilization for a long period of time. Like, you're going to lose these. Oh, like feral kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Some people do, like, there was a lot of that going on back then, apparently. So imagine, maybe yeah. that, that could be a possible Maybe theory. they turned green, parents threw them away. <laughs> they forgot how to speak right. Fell down into a pit. So. Mm. Got found by a reaper. Hey, we're, this is all just speculation, man. So, in, <laughs> but in conclusion... Um, the Green Children's Story has served as the inspiration for numerous poems, novels, operas, and plays across the world. And while the real facts behind the story will most certainly never be known, the simple fact remains that something happened in a small Suffolk village in the 12th century, which will never be fully understood or explained, and centuries later continues to provoke Many curious minds. So there you have it. I mean, Green Children of Woolpit. Um, a few of the sources we used for this research uh, that I wanted to cite is ancientorigins.net, anomalyinfo.org, Duncan Lunin's Children from the Sky, and Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia, 
From Folklore to Flying Saucers. If you want further reading on any of this stuff, um, check out some of those sources and let us know what you guys think. If you have any theories or maybe something we didn't talk about with this case, uh, let us know, you know, do some research. Um, let me know what you guys think because this is an interesting case and there's not much evidence to go off of, but um, interesting nonetheless. So there you have it. As always, feel free to hit us up, uh, Instagram, as always, is podcast from outer space, or email us at podcast from outer space at gmail.com. In other exciting news, we finally, and I mean finally, got finally? our t shirt guy, Rob Stone himself, to get off of his hind parts. Hind parts. Hind parts. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Stone finally got his shit together, got us a t shirt design, multiple t shirts, got us some printed off. They look pretty good. I'm pretty, pretty jealous. Good. They look pretty good. They're fire. Post them up on Instagram. You guys can see for yourselves. See with your own two eyes. And you can order them off of our new website for the low, low price of $25 plus shipping and handling. Yes, guys. We got um, exciting news. I've been building a website the past couple months. Now, I built this thing from scratch. I know nothing about web design, <laughs> so bear with us if it, if it glitches out on you. But we're going to have our new shirts up there. It's podcastfromouterspace.com, official. Um, check it out. Uh, let us know what you think, and if uh, you know, you know, if you are like a web guy or, or know how to maybe improve the site, shoot me a message because I got to tell you, this stuff was way over my head, and I think we did an all right job. But you'll see, we got the shirts up there. Check it out, podcastfromouterspace.com. I'll make a post when the site is actually live because there's a few things I need to tinker with, uh, figure out before we go live. But um, that is coming if it hasn't already been posted by the time you hear this. Appreciate you guys turning in. Turning in. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Appreciate you guys tuning in for episode 53. We look forward to interacting with you guys, as Rob mentioned, and through our new website. And uh, so long and thanks for all the fish. Oh,